I want to see what that dad bot can do out there. I manhandle that little baby. Good morning. It's football, another F words, but it may not be morning where you're listening, but whatever time it is, I hope you're listening and enjoying yourself. Uh, like I said, football, another F words. We're brought to you by Broadway sports media.com. It's training camp time and it's all up in your face. I mean, we're all over it like a giant training camp fight. <laughs> Broadway sports media.com. Come check us out. Um, I also want to mention another group. Uh, hey, good farms, CBD, a Delta eight producer right here in Tennessee, are also based, or they're actually based in Chattanooga, but this is a local Tennessee-based CBD Delta 8 producer that were kind enough to send me a care package. And their stuff is fantastic. Go check them out at heygoodfarms.com. Like legitimately very, very good Delta 8. Really nice product. Probably some of the best stuff I've ever used. So go grab yourself some stuff. Heygoodfarms.com. Gentlemen, we have so much damn content to discuss today. That let's just get right into it. Mike, you were back at training camp this week, and that's where I'm going to start. Um, and, and why don't we start with your article, uh, which is titled Notes on the First Pad of Practice at Titans Training Camp. Again, check them out at broadwaysworthmedia.com. Roster health, let's start there. Who is not on the field? Who is on the field? Who should we be worried about that was not on the field? So um, obviously the guys that are still on the list, right, are uh, are Bud Dupree on the PUP and Aaron Brewer on NFI. Um, we have no idea what what Brewer's actual ailment is. So you know I, I'm not sure when to expect him back or if to expect him back or or whatever there. But um, Dupree, you know, I, I'm not really sure when we're going to see him. Probably, um, you know, I'd say maybe a couple weeks out, something like that. Uh, you know. Obviously, they don't want to push him too hard uh, to come back for early training camp work. I mean, this guy's a, a what, six-year veteran, I think. Um, doesn't need a ton of training camp work, even in a new defense, to, to be able to kind of seam right in uh, with this group. But obviously, you'd like to get him out there a little bit before week one just to get his legs under him and get some work in. But uh, not too worried about him just yet. And then, uh, you know, they had some other kind of lower-level guys that are on uh, Brandon Kemp, one of the backup tackles, is on IR, um, and then Chris Jones, one of the you know very bottom of the roster COVID uh, or uh, corners, is on the COVID list. So those are the guys on the list. Um, Julio Jones, Josh Reynolds were both missing uh, when I was out there uh, yesterday, and you know not surprising. Uh, Reynolds has been out for I think four days now in a row. Um, not sure what's going on with him. If it was you know season ending or anything like that. I think we would have heard something by now, or he would have been put on a list. So probably like relatively minor uh, issue there. Um, and same for Julio. I, I think, you know, he went down a little bit uh, in practice on, I believe it was Saturday. Uh, not surprising that he, or no, it was Monday. Uh, not surprising that he was, he was not back out there on Tuesday. Um, they're obviously going to be extremely cautious with him. So a couple of your, your higher end receivers, Jeff Swaim also not out there, uh, you know, one of your top tight ends. So there's, there's still some guys that were not um, in in the practice. But, you know, again, if you don't hear that it's a season-ending deal, I think you can pretty safely assume that – and they aren't – and, you know, they the team isn't immediately putting them on some list. 
uh, you know, I, I think you can pretty safely assume that, you know, Hey, these guys are dealing with little minor things. The Titans are never going to push guys to come back in training camp. Um, so it's just, you know, get them healthy, get them back out there when they can, um, kind of deal. But yeah, it's been, uh, it's been a little bit of an interesting wide receiver rotation the last few days, just because, you know, no Julio, uh, no Reynolds makes for, um, you know, some, some interesting partners for, for Ryan Tannehill in the top group behind AJ Brown. So injury wise, I guess, let me just back up and ask when Julio went down awkward, is there anything to be concerned about? Or was the team just basically like, all right, look, the guy's 32. He's a star. Obviously, we spent a lot of time pining over and bringing in. We just want to hold him out. Yeah, I mean, the sense that I've gotten from everything that's out there, obviously, I was not out there the day that he did go down, so I didn't see it myself. But from, you know, talking to some of the other people that were out there, it sounds like it was not that big a deal. Like, he he got up a little bit slow and was just kind of walking a little gingerly back. Um, and then they just eventually decided to send him inside, um, you know, to, to, and call it a day. And I mean, it was, I think, one of the first team periods that he'd actually participated in in camp. Um, so it's, it's one of those things they wanted to get him some work in a team period. They did. Um, and you know, they're gonna, you know, that might've been a rest day for him yesterday anyways. Um, I think it, it probably, uh, you know, it, it's more likely it was related to him going down and, and them just kind of taking it easy with him, but it's, uh, you know, they're going to be, they're going to treat him with kid gloves through camp. I mean, they, like you said, the guy's 32, he does have some injury history. Um, you know, he, he's, he's a guy that you don't really need a ton of reps for. You just want to get him healthy to week one. And, and the more time he can spend with Ryan Tannehill, just talking football and talking the way he wants to run routes and the way Tannehill wants uh, him to run routes and, and things like that. I think that's almost more valuable than any of the practice reps. So um, as long as that's still happening, I think that's, uh, that's probably fine for those guys. Let's talk about standout players. First, where you got listed, Jeffrey Simmons, Danico Altry, Tier Tart. Uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, the uh, defensive line really kind of dominated um, the other day when I was out there. It's and, and they've been good all of camp. I feel like it, this is this top group, especially, has really kind of mucked it up on the inside. Um, Tier Tart, I've mentioned, you know, on the last pod, I think about how good he's looked and and really what what he's kind of bringing to the table in year two, um, you know, those flashes that we saw last season in the Colts game and in the bears game and, and just kind of, you know, there was that stretch kind of to the middle uh, and, you know, later half of the season where Tart started to kind of pop for this defense uh, and started making some plays. And now that is starting to become more consistent. Um, and, and he obviously changed his body a little bit. So him, we knew Autry was going to be pretty good. He's he's a vet. Um, we kind of know what he is when when the Titans signed him. Um, and then Simmons, obviously, one of the most talented players on the whole team. So between those three, I think the defensive line looks way different this year. There's there's a lot more. Uh, you know, <laughs> it's just a stouter group. And and frankly, like even in some of the half line drills they were doing and, and the team periods too. The, they were pushing the offensive line back and look, you know, that's a little worrisome from an offensive standpoint, I guess. Uh, just, you know, you don't want to see the, those guys getting rocked back, but 
we know that offensive line is good, right? I mean, Roger Saffold, Ben Jones, Nate Davis are as solid as they come in the middle of that, that offense. Um, and we know those guys are pretty good. And the fact that Tart, Autry, and Simmons are doing this against good offensive linemen, I think is uh, very, um, very uh, good. It's a very good sign for, uh, for this season for the Titans defensive line. Ryan Tannehill's next name you got on here um, said it was kind of up and down early in camp, uh, but uh, but was looking sharp. Yeah, I think you know people started to freak out a little bit about you know oh god he's thrown four, what freaking out four camp interceptions oh no the season's over um, oh I told you Ryan Tannehill was a bomb uh, that Marcus Musaletta <laughs> back in here. <laughs> But uh, yeah, so Tannehill, the the no interceptions uh, yesterday when I was out there, um, did look sharp, was accurate, you know, knew where to go with the ball. And look, and the other thing too to keep in mind with the interceptions, he's like I said before, no Julio for almost any of these team periods. Uh, you know, Reynolds was only out there for maybe a day and a half so far, so he's literally working with AJ Brown, and then it's like. Nick Westbrook Aquina, it's uh Cody Hollister, it's Chester Rogers, it's um, you know, uh who's the other one? You're saying he's out there working with the wide receiver room that we were afraid we were gonna go into the season with. Right, exactly. Yeah, he's kind of working with the guys that, you know, if they hadn't signed anyone this offseason, they they might have been trotting out there. And, and guys like Des Fitzpatrick and Racy Math, who have both have had moments early in camp where they look pretty good, they're still working kind of down in the rotation because all the rookies are. None, none of the rookies are really getting reps with the ones right now, and that's not unusual. Um, it's kind of a thing, you know. They just they want them to earn the reps with that first team unit, and if they do, they'll move up, and if they don't, they'll stay down. But um, yeah, none of those guys are up with the ones just yet. So, yeah, it, Cody Hollister, you know, it, Nick Westbrook, Akina, Cam Batson, some of these guys, it's just like, yeah, it, it's not going to look as good as when you're doing it with A.J. Brown and Julio Jones and Josh Reynolds uh, all out there together. So, yeah, it's it, some of that stuff. I think we just have to look at it and say, okay, this is not going to be the wide receiver group that you're lining up for game day in week one. Um, you know, hopefully, obviously, you know, injuries could happen, but, um, you know, it, it's good that he's getting some reps with some of these, you know, depth guys so that, you know, when, if, and when they do get opportunities there, they've got some, you know, work together, but, you know, the one pass that Tannehill threw that might have been intercepted or that had a chance to be intercepted yesterday came on a pass where Nick Westbrook Aquina was running around uh, Chris Jackson ended up jumping it and getting his hands on the ball and knocking it down. Um, but Tannehill marched right up to Westbrook immediately after the play and, and was clearly correcting him on how he ran his route and where he was expecting him to be and, and everything like that. So, you know, those are the kind of things that you're working out in practice and, and it's, it don't be alarmed by, turnover numbers in practice or anything like that. I just, unless it get, just gets really crazy and you're hearing like that it's this, these guys look awful. Just pump the brakes. It, it, we don't need to freak out over every camp interception that, you know, Tannehill or Woodside or any of these guys throw, frankly. And I'm not, I'm not trying to start something when I say this, but 
did we ever see Mario to do things like that in camp to where, you know, he would go down and tell the receivers, look, you're not in the place I want you to be, that kind of thing. And I'm not trying to dig up a narrative here. I just don't really remember a lot of that. Yeah, I, I think there was way less of it. Um, I'd say that I because I feel like Mariota was always kind of a good soldier and he never it was almost, you know, he tread so lightly on others feelings and, and that, you know, in, in a sense, it makes him a good human. Um, but he was not willing to go, you know, call a guy out, you know, in front of his teammates and say, look, you you have to be here this is that that was your fault. Like that is, you know, not something that Mariota was real, uh, you know, keen to be doing. And Tannehill does that plenty. Not that Tannehill's being an asshole about it or anything like that, but he's uh, certainly in more command of the offense. Like it is very clear who is in charge of the Titans offense when, when they're out on the field. So I, I think that, is very much um, a difference between those two. And I think that's a huge difference too. I think, I don't think you can have success with a quarterback who's not willing to take firm control like that. And, and Tannehill certainly is. I mean, it's called training camp. It's practice, right? That's why yeah. they're out there, but you want them to make mistakes there. Not, not, not during the game. Um, and last game you got here. One, one point on that throwing like balls that you would normally throw away in a game because the guy's tightly covered or you might scramble or try to just, you know, take a, take a small loss or do something else with the ball. There's no, there's nothing to be gained. You know, someone was talking about it. I wish I could remember who it was to credit them, but someone was talking about Vince young and when he was at camp and how it drove them crazy from a coaching standpoint, because Vince young would take off and run all the time in camp. And it's like, that accomplishes nothing. You know, nobody's going to tackle you. So, you know, but you're not really getting the reps of throwing the ball and throwing the ball into tight windows and stuff like that. This is where you practice that kind of thing. There is no harm in throwing a camp interception. If you're trying to, you know, fit a ball in, or if you're just in a rep where it's like, yeah, the guy was well covered, but I'm going to throw it anyways, just because it's camp. And, you know, I need that rep and I'm also giving that defensive back a chance to get a good rep of, Hey, I made a good coverage play here. Let me finish it with an interception or let me finish it with a pass breakup. It does not do anybody any good for you to just sit there and hold the ball in camp. So that's another thing to keep in mind here. You know, plays, you don't practice dirting it, right? Like that is just not something that's productive. Uh, in a training camp setting. So that's, that's another part of the interception thing. Unless you play for the Panthers and you're going to lay out, you know, a back <laughs> coming off your feet. I'm sorry. It's a cheap shot. Well, that was a cheap shot. Um, well, let's go to Jay Umbra, last name you've got listed here. Yeah. Jay having a nice camp. I, I think he kind of goes under the radar a little bit. Um, but you know, if you go back to like 2018, like this guy was putting up monster numbers and really a playmaker in this defense. And he's showing some of those, flashes like he's been around the ball a lot he does he's had a lot of pass breakups um he's really like he's so sticky in coverage which is just so important for this defense um and, and I think he's a guy that would benefit a lot from the three guys in front of him playing really well Autry Simmons um and, and Tart because that's going to let him flow to the ball it's going to let him it's going to keep him from having to deal with as many offensive linemen kind of crawling around him during the game. So I, I think uh, that's going to let him play faster, play, play freer 
Um, and if that group up front plays well, I think we'll see Jayon Brown get back to, to really being a playmaker in the middle of the defense. How sticky, Mike? Like your child with a bottle of syrup unattended? Oh, he's Gorilla Glue like three seconds after it's been poured out of the bottle. <laughs> That's wonderful. All right. <laughs> it's time to discuss the thing that Zach and I love the most, which is kickers, especially kickers with the last name that means fucking in German. Sam fucking. <laughs> we've got him on the team. How did he look yesterday? He was ficking perfect. Uh, <laughs> he uh, he nailed uh, all Heck six yeah. of his kicks. Uh, Tucker uh, fucker McCann. Uh, also nailed all six of his kicks. So, um, you know, they were, they were, it was a good day for, for Titans kicking. So James Wilhoyt earned his paycheck, uh, over the last couple of days here, but, um, they, uh, yeah, both of them look good. McCann, his last kick, I believe came out a little bit low. It still clear, cleared the upright considerably, uh, you know, without, without really being too close. And I was standing actually behind the upright so that I could see, you know, where the kick was relative to each of the posts. Um, none of the, neither one of those guys really came within probably five feet of, of a post on either one on any of those kicks. So they were, they were all right down the middle. They all look good. Um, so yeah, one day for Titans fans to be able to rest easier on, on the kicker situation. Just out there picking, kicking. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm just, I'm trying to find, trying it's to find be some great. bullshit that I want to use for this for the rest of the year. I'm close. I'm workshopping it. <laughs> we're, we're working on it. Um, last couple of notes I wanted to get from you. Um, obviously, you got a nice big section down here at the end of the article. Uh, I don't want to ruin the entire article on the podcast. I'll make people go read it. Um, but you you got Laurel Merch sent up here at the top. You definitely watched some O-line. Uh, give us some insight you got here at the bottom. Yeah, so Murchison, you know, I, I've talked a lot about the starting group already, the Autry, uh, Tart, Simmons group. Uh, Murchison has also been making plays. He's been pretty consistent making plays, too. And and he said yesterday he has put on some weight uh, this offseason, put on some muscle, feels really good. Um, and he's another guy, you know, heading into year two. You know, the Titans' rookie class last year was pretty abysmal, right? And I don't think that's news to anybody. Um, a lot of it was, you know, obviously the first round picks a totally different story, but the, the other guys, a lot of them were injury issues, injury related, you know, Fulton was barely able to get on the field. Same with Evans, you know, Murchison didn't get hurt, but he was just, you know, kind of a rookie that got thrown in there without a lot of, a lot of practice routes, frankly. I mean, none of these guys got much uh, done in, uh, in the off season from a, a rep standpoint. So, I think all of those guys, all of those second year guys are guys to watch. And if they can take big steps forward in year two, like a lot of players often do, you know, this depth chart starts to look a whole lot more appealing if, you know, Murchison's a player that you can rely upon and that can can come in and give you snaps, uh, you know, and give give Jeffrey Simmons a few plays off here and there uh, so that he's not having to play 85 percent of snaps or, or whatever. Um, you know, I, I think that's a huge deal. Um, and Murchison so far has been really, really good. Like he, he has stood out to me every day that I've been at camp, um, so far. And, you know, that's, that's very encouraging, uh, to me, uh, the offensive line is interesting. Um, Milan looks great. Um, as far as how he's moving around, you wouldn't just looking at him, you would never know that he tore his ACL. There's no, favoring of a leg there's no limp there's not you know it doesn't look like he's holding back any in uh, individual periods now they are not putting him out there for team periods which makes total sense to me at 
you know, they probably won't use him in team periods until pretty late in camp. I, I would imagine just, you know, it, there's no sense in it. Um, so the, the only thing that could happen really in those situations is that the one ends up getting rolled up on or something like that, just because, you know, they try to keep these guys off the ground, but it's, it's contact football. Sometimes, sometimes guys fall and uh, end up around legs. So that's, uh, and we saw it with Ben Jones yesterday, frankly, Ben Jones ended up, somebody went down, hit his knee and he went down holding his knee and looked, you know, at one point, like he might be, you know, having a serious issue, but you know, frankly, Ben Jones is indestructible. I'm pretty sure. So he was like, like two plays later, he was like fighting the the trainer to get back into the rep and and got back, got his way and got back in there and was playing again. So he's, he was fine, but that was a scary situation. You don't want to lose your starting center in August or, or, you know, you don't want to lose your left tackle certainly in August uh, when you're not even playing the game. So I think, you know, we'll see Lawan back at some point, but right now he does look good. He, he looks healthy, which I think is one of the biggest things that you can get out of, out of this camp is a healthy Lawan coming back is huge for this, this offensive line. So overall, I mean, you've been at camp twice uh, in person and obviously I know you've been keeping up with camp. Otherwise, how do you feel about camp this year? Is there, I know this is such a loaded bullshit question that you probably get on the radio, but like, how do you feel about camp this year versus last year? Wait, not last year. Last year was a shit show. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I just mean like overall, how do you feel about the team this year so far? What you've seen? You know, I think it's competitive. I, I definitely think, you know, it, there are guys that stand out for sure. Like, you know, we're, we haven't seen a ton of Julio. We haven't seen a ton of Henry in team periods and stuff like that. But when AJ Brown is out there in team periods, it is very clear that AJ Brown is like the best player on the field. Like he is dominant. And that's a difference from, you know, the last time I was out there was 2019, which is obviously his rookie year. Um, and he looks way different uh, this year. I mean, he was impressive uh, in 2019. And obviously, he ended up having a, a thousand yard season uh, that year as a rookie. Um, but he looks dominant now and it looks like it has kind of all come together for, for AJ. Um, so that's exciting. Um, I just feel like the competitive, the competition level is very high. They've got guys. I think Janoris Jenkins brings a lot of energy. I think the defensive backs frankly have, have been uh, much better than I thought they might be, you know, guys like Chris Jackson, guys like Breon borders look really good. I mean, they're, they're playing good football. They're, they're sticking in the back pocket of these receivers. They're making life difficult on them, um, which is encouraging. And then the defensive line, of course, you know, that that's a totally different element uh, that we haven't seen in in quite a while here. So I, I think it's encouraging. I think, you know, they're, they mostly look pretty crisp, like it's, you know, good offense, good defense, uh, kind of competing with each other. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think you should be pretty encouraged. And frankly, you know, consider we haven't seen in team period any Bud Dupree, almost any Julio Jones, you know, very little Josh Reynolds, um, you know, no, no Derrick Henry uh, and no Caleb Farley. So that's, that's five guys that, you know, are among the most talented players on your entire roster that really haven't been in the mix yet. And and I think when you add those to it, you know, later on in camp, it's just going to be that much more uh, competitive and that much more dynamic. And I, I think this looks like a really good football team, honestly, that's, that's kind of the vibe that I get. And it's a confident football team for sure. 
Zach, I haven't let you talk for 20 minutes. Have I left anything out? I haven't said a word on this podcast the whole time. This is the first time I've actually gotten to speak. I am here, listeners. I, I am, I've just been sitting here silent. Uh, didn't even get an introduction at the beginning. I got replaced. I got replaced by a CBD company, HeyGoodFarms.com. Go get your Hey Good Farms uh, stuff today because we didn't. We didn't get anything free. Mike, did you get something? I did not. I didn't. My yeah. wife was love. It is not my <laughs> fault that you moved. You all moved like a Lord of the Rings journey outside of Nashville. Damn it. That's just code for me. I'm lazy. I didn't drive anything out to them yet. Uh, <laughs> I've been here reading articles and stupid Twitter headlines and comments. I mean, you know, well, God damn bl- it. I, thought, I was I was hoping you were going to want to jump in and ask questions, but you don't seem to care. Well, I, I already I already asked all these questions at the it, Twitter it spaces on Wednesday so, or <laughs> Tuesday. Why. So, so I've, I've you know I've heard all this before. <laughs> Zach's already heard this episode of the pod. So I mean, it was literally almost <laughs> word for word what he said on the Twitter spaces. I think I could have I think I could have answered for him. Probably. The probably. only thing we talked talk consistent. about was Caleb Farley being a gigantic oh, yeah. man among boys in the defensive back position. That's the only thing he didn't get to talk about. Hot bod number well, four. Well, tell me about that. Well, listen, yeah. I was out there at Titans training camp. <laughs> and one of the things that I really noticed when I was out there on, on Tuesday was, was how much different <laughs> Caleb Farley looked compared to the other guys. And listen, it's, you know, Caleb Farley, when he was drafted, he's always been a physical specimen. But as our own BroadwaySportsMedia.com analyst John Glennon put it, it was like watching Derrick Henry stand among the other running backs. I mean, he's just a he's just a man among boys out there when you look at the other DBs that he's lined up and standing next to. Word for word, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Zach, Zach nailed it. I remember it. seeing him walking and talking with Glennon, uh, you know, as they were uh, yeah. headed back towards the uh, the tents. And uh, yeah, Glennon, Glennon had a, a great comparison saying Henry, uh, Henry and uh, Farley are kind of the same difference between their position groups. Uh, yeah, lines, yeah. Everyone. We've yeah. given him his four minutes on the podcast. <laughs> y'all want to hear some stupid stuff I found on Twitter while y'all were talking? Oh, please. Yeah. I almost started a game of risk on my phone, but I was afraid it would bleed into the time I was actually supposed to talk or allowed to talk. So, number one, God bless Jay Martin Ramon, because I have come around to enjoying their show. Uh, you know, I was a little apprehensive at first, but they do some wonderful stuff on their show. But they equated the Jackrabbit Jenkins name to the Ocho Cinco name re- just recently, and it did not sit well with Jackrabbit Jenkins because Jackrabbit said, we are not the same, dot, 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 We're on the quote tweet. Because Ocho Cinco is, a, is a self-proclaimed nickname that he was given like in the last later years of the NFL. If you don't know the story of Jackrabbit Jenkins at this point in time, I'm not going to tell you. Go search Jackrabbit, what the name means, and all that stuff. Because it's important to him. And the fact that there are people in the media that still don't understand it that you're supposed to call him Jackrabbit is mind-boggling. I can't believe that someone still called him Janoris to his face after he had his opening presser and told everybody to call him Jackrabbit. After everybody in New Orleans Saints, when we signed, we when the Titans signed Jackrabbit, said, the one thing you need to know is that you got to call him Jackrabbit for him to answer your question. People still don't understand. Like, do your research. Like, how hard is it to read a Twitter article or to do research on these players? I don't get it. 
I don't get, don't call him Janoris, and I hope that he chews you out every time he does, because at this point, you should you should know the story. And if you do not know the story, please go Google it. Second, Mike, will you will you please okay. call him Ocho Jacko? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll ask please. him uh, Ocho Jacko uh, out there on on. Uh, yeah, next time I'm I out would, there, listen, I'll ask. Listen, him. if you ever get to ask him a question, I dare you to call him Cottontail and just see what happens. <laughs> oh God, Peter no. Cottontail. No, yeah. <laughs> I, I'll pass on that. I don't want to sure? run afoul of uh, Jackrabbit. Call, is, call, him, yeah. call him Easter, Easter Bunny. Just do, <laughs> go around the Jackrabbit name and just call him Jackalope. Call him Jackalope next time. <laughs> All right, yeah, we'll, we'll give it a try. Okay, so listen, here's the second one. Okay. This is by the Tennessean. This is their out of all the stories for training camp that you can write about right now. This is the one they decided to go with the Tennessean. Can backup quarterback Deshaun Kaiser turn potential into production with the Titans? Well, hell no, he can't because he's a backup quarterback. We don't want him to have production. We want to see Ryan Tannehill have the production. What a stupid fucking article. I mean, can you not? This is the Tennessean. What a disgrace. I think oh. the Tennessee, I really feel like the Tennessean just, they come in and just beat them with whips and say, another article. And they're like, oh my God, what do you want me to write about? Deshaun Kaiser. So it just, <laughs> they, want. they want that third string backup quarterback story and how he could turn, could turn into a productive member of the Tennessee Titans. We need another he article. injured his hand, his throwing hand at the end of practice on, at the end of training camp on Tuesday when he went up against the helmet. I mean, it's a good thing that we're not relying on him to throw the ball, and he's never been good at it anyway. So, what? hey, listen, he may have fixed his throwing hand. Maybe that is going to put everything back into place, and he's actually going to be really good. It's like a rookie of the year when he, yeah. he hurts his elbow and he suddenly can throw 105 miles an hour or whatever it was. Yeah. That's I, I, exactly that was, a, that was a true movie. I saw that documentary. Story. <laughs> Are you well, on, it's uh, been fun. I'll see you guys later. Yeah. Well, don't go anywhere because we're about to get into your your what I suspect will be the favorite part of your podcast. Um, we got to travel 300 miles north to Colts training camp presented by Tanya Harding. Like, what in God's name is going on up here? First off, Monday, it comes out that Carson Wentz is going to have to have a foot procedure because, I'm sorry, foot surgery. Because a broken bone came loose. They suspect it's from an old injury, probably even far back as high school, that was causing him pain. Not 24 hours later, Quentin Nelson is going to have to have the same foot surgery as Carson Wentz. What in God's name is happening to these players? Are they literally beating on them? Uh, I mean, I, I, we're going to get into the bad luck section because I heard Mike go off about this. I've heard Zach go off about this. And frankly, it's ridiculous about Colts and what a typical quarterback situation. Fucking suck it with that. But like, literally, how can you have the same foot problem out of two of your like major stars 24 hours away from each other? Well, not only that, Frank Reich, he contracted COVID, right? He tested positive for COVID, so he missed, missed some of uh, camp and offseason work. Then you have Wentz's foot injury, Nelson's foot injury, Darius Leonard's ankle injury, who has yet to practice in training camp, and then Ryan Kelly's elbow injury, which sideline will sideline for about two two more weeks. And then the Colts are among the lowest teams with, of unvaccinated players. I mean, like, let me rephrase that. They're one of the teams with the highest percentage of unvaccinated players. So that if that number remains high, that percentage remains high, you know, 
that's going to be a daily threat to the Colts who already have four players on the COVID-19 list. So it's always going to – COVID-19, that cloud of COVID-19 is always going to hover over them. And get this. So the MRI exam on Quentin Nelson is a previously unknown bone issue in his foot that he was likely born with. How wild is that? Like, he's scheduled to have the fragment removed uh, yesterday afternoon. I don't know if he actually did, but it's by the same doctor that uh, got rid of uh, Winston's bone. But what are the odds that he was born with this bone issue and he's never known, and all of a sudden a player that has never missed a game could miss – you know, anywhere from five to 356 uh, days. Who knows? You know, five to 12 weeks? What is that? You know exactly the timetable is probably eight to 12. And they're like, oh, well, let's uh, let's not lose those um, season ticket holders or something. I don't know. I, what, I, five to 12? Give me a break. I absolutely loved Mike Vrabel's response to the five to 12 weeks. Because, I mean, this is Mike is not going to give you any information about player injuries. Vrabel scoffing at five to 12 weeks. It's such a ridiculous time frame. You might as well just say indefinitely. We'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I've never heard of such a thing. And here's the thing. I would rather Vrabel. I would rather have Vrabel just refuse to tell us anything about timetables, which is what he does constantly. than ha- have him tell us no, five to 12 weeks. I don't know could be anywhere in that range. Like that gives you nothing. And I mean, it's basically the same thing as what Vrabel does, except, you know, these, he's just, you know, it's almost worse. In my opinion, I just, it's comical. Do you, do you think that, you know, they had to talk Winston the surgery because he probably wanted to let it all heal naturally on his own because he doesn't need doctor's advice. That, that is what the reports out of Indy are that the, the team, immediately said, yes, you need surgery. You need to have the surgery right now. And Wentz wanted to play through it. He did not want to have the surgery. He just wanted to play through it and hope it would, like, get better on its own or whatever. I, well, I, like, I mean, I'm not he surprised does not that seem he very does, bright. Yeah, I'm not surprised that he does not believe in the the, uh, the science of medicine. Well, he, he read a Facebook post that, you know, went into how feet can heal on their own, and you really don't need surgery. You just let it all – just drink extra milk and, and uh, uh, you know, take a little bit of, a, a, you know, iron tablets mm-hmm. and you're good. You know, that, that'll fix you right up. It. Yeah. Yeah. Just uh, say a little, uh, you know, chant um, over it every morning when you wake up and, and that'll fix it Burn right some up. Sage. Burn some sage yeah. in the room. It, it worked for me, Ma. So <laughs> it worked in the medieval times. <laughs> Go out and get that land, son. It's called a crusade. But so I, I, Here's the point I want to get into because I know Zach is very excited about this and I am too, especially after I heard Mike on, on Blaine and Mickey a couple of days ago, the fact that Colts fans, but worse, I was about to say more worse. Good Lord. My grammar is atrocious today. Even more worse is that Colts media is starting to kind of go around this whole, Oh, this is just typical Colts QB luck. I mean, Mike, will you just give your rant will you just redo your rant for me on Colts QB luck yeah like look I'm I'm so sorry so sorry Colts fans that you had to deal with two decades going directly from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck like 
come on. In, oh, I'm sorry. Your quarterback that was really, really good retired out of nowhere. Look, the Titans had a quarterback retire out of nowhere too, but he sucked. He sucked for three years and then he retired. So look, you know, you don't get extra credit because your guy that was good retired. You still got the good times. You know, the Titans got none of the good times and all of the retirement. So I, I'm just, you know, if you look at just Jake Locker and Marcus Mariota alone, uh, two guys that were top 10 picks for this franchise, you know, two guys that did not play very well for most of the time at quarterback, you know, they both had their moments, sure, but they they didn't touch Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck. Those guys had as many injuries and as many games missed as the the other two Colts guys combined. So, I mean, you know, and, and they did it in like a fourth of the time. So I just don't it, miss me with all the bullshit about, oh, God, we're the Colts. We've had such bad quarterback luck. We went from one Hall of Famer to another generational talent, and it was just so hard because they couldn't play forever. Oh, God, it's got to be terrible. Get some real problems. Grow up, Colts fans. Over 21 seasons. 21 seasons. Okay? That's a, it's a, a, a lot of games, right? I mean, like, alone, Peyton Manning accounted for 224 games. Okay? And he only missed one season of games. So he only missed 16 games. Not including the playoffs that him and Andrew Luck have played. They have only missed the notable quarterback has only missed 11.7 percent of games that's that's small over 21 seasons over two decades and and spare me the spoiled brat attitude of oh well you know we're still recovering from what andrew luck did we, we just haven't been the same since oh well tough shit <laughs> i mean like like it's that was two years ago i'm like get over it i mean when jake locker retired it, it took me 24 hours to get over it i wasn't you know heartbroken when vince young went to the eagles wasn't heartbroken when steve mcnair went to the baltimore ravens and made it real easy to not be heartbroken and not like carry this massive burden for for two years like it's like if my grandmother died like give me a break this is ridiculous. I mean, we're talking about Steve McNair, you know, from 1998 to 2005, missed 18 games. Okay. That's what, seven seasons, eight seasons? Peyton Manning from 1998 to whenever he left the Colts, 224 games, mind you, missed 16. Steve McNair missed more games in less time. Like, it's a it break. And then they're like, well, it's, you know, how they handled it. You know, you know, they, they downplayed these injuries. The players downplayed them too. Peyton Manning carried it all through that 2011 season. Will he or won't he? Will he or won't he? Andrew Luck, same thing with his shoulder. Will he or won't he? Will he or won't he? And he, the, neither of these players would commit to it. And then, you know, Carson Wentz's injury started off minor. It didn't sound minor that day. That day, it sounded pretty big, and it sounds like, again, the Colts had to force their player to go ahead and get surgery. To me, it sounds like it's the player's fault on some of these injuries and them downplaying stuff more than is the, the Colts' regime. I mean, they had to force Carson Wentz to go get the surgery because he, didn't, he doesn't believe in medical science. He he's believes in the power of believing. He's like a, a fucking Care Bear or something. You know, give me a break. I, listen. 
Yeah, he's a fucking Care Bear. They they believe in shit. He's like in Never Neverland. He's Peter Pan over here. Look, I get it. It's a rough start to your off season, but you're due. I mean, let's be honest. Twenty one fucking seasons essentially of great quarterback play. You had Philip Rivers come in last year, and he basically just you know did what Andrew Luck did. He did what you know Peyton Manning did. He got you double digit wins and in the playoffs. Like that's just what the Colts have done almost every year for 21 seasons. Well, and Mike, you nailed it on the radio the other day of, I mean, you can count on two fingers. How many other teams have had the same quarterback success in that time span that the Colts have green Bay and, and the Patriots. That's it. Everyone else in the league has had to deal with the shit you're dealing with now. Colts fans. I, this is not meant to be piling on of like, you, you suck, you deserve it, Colts fans. But like, this is reality in the NFL. This is what every other fan base has dealt with. Every other single fan base. So it happens. Shit happens. Sometimes you go through years of it. Sometimes you go through decades of it. But, you know, that's it, welcome to the rest of the NFL. And it's not even just the fans. It's the media, too. I mean, this Greg Doyle yeah. guy writes this article, you know, uh, Starter Carson Wentz could miss no games or half the season. Backup Jacob Eason keeps throwing pick sixes in practice. This is the most Colts quarterback situation ever. Is it? Is it yeah, the most that, Colts quarterback situation ever? Because it sounds like make to me sense, the most. Buddy. Yeah, yeah. It like sounds that, like the most Titans quarterback situation. Yeah, yeah to me. I mean, exactly what it sounds like. That's the most Jaguars <laughs> quarterback situation. That's the most Browns quarterback situation. I mean, you could go through the list of of teams. Uh, yeah. The Seahawks, listen, let's add the Seahawks into the teams that uh, don't have quarterback issues and haven't had them for a while. Um, I mean, because that, that you're talking about what Russell Wilson's been there for forever. Uh, Big Ben would be a good one, even though that he's battled injuries. He's been there. But you're, you're right. There's just a handful of teams where you can look at it and say they've never had quarterback issues. And it's ridiculous that the first sign, first off, let me tell you something. You brought it upon yourself because first off, you you we forgot to mention Eric Fisher, who has a torn Achilles, who is their starting left tackle, who may not even see the first four weeks. You brought this upon yourself. You signed a left tackle with an Achilles injury. You signed Carson, a broken quarterback in Carson Wentz. You you definitely and you traded way too high of a pick for him. You took on his contract. This is a mess of your own making, like. I, I'm not going to – I don't think anybody should feel bad for them, and I don't feel bad for them. And I think it's about time that this has happened to them because it's only happened probably, I guess you could say, twice. I guess you could say when Peyton Manning had his neck injury and then they ended up with Andrew Luck, ooh, ooh big whoop. I mean, yeah, that's, that's very tough. Sorry very you had tough. to suffer through that one season to get Andrew Luck. And then after that, uh, Andrew Luck had his shoulder injury in Jacoby Brissett, and they, you know, didn't get double-digit wins for the second time in, you know, decades. You know, ooh, boo-hoo, sorry. Sorry. You're like, I just don't feel uh, bad listen, for them. Let me let me add one more thing to this, another, another angle, because I don't think this has come up uh, necessarily recently, but – a lot of times when you get the narrative around Chris Ballard and, you know, everybody just fawns over Chris Ballard. Oh my God, what a great GM he is. And, you know, it, it, they always bring up the point of look at what a great job he's done keeping them competitive despite the Andrew Luck situation. Well, look, 
John Robinson inherited Marcus Mariota. It's the same situation. You know, they, he inherited it maybe even worse instead of, you know, a guy that was really good that just quit and, you know, like went away and then you knew you had to fix it. Marcus Mariota left this team in limbo for years of, oh, is he good enough? Is he not? Is it the sporting cast? Is it not? Is it the coaches? Is it not? And they had to manage through all of that and then eventually land on Ryan Tannehill, uh, who has allowed them to take off. But it's not like, you know, Robinson inherited Tannehill. He went and traded for him and brought him in. And, and you know, that ended up being a long-term fix. The Colts, meanwhile, have gone for Band-Aid after Band-Aid since the the luck deal went down uh you know they did brissette for a year which obviously i know they didn't really have a choice for that year because it happened right before the season fine but you could have traded for somebody uh and then they they go and sign you know 83 year old philip rivers the next off season which we all knew was a band-aid um and you know that gives you a season of, of perfectly fine quarterback play. And then you go trade for one of the most injury riddled quarterbacks, uh, you know, in in the league And Oh my God, he's hurt. Um, So yeah, I guess I don't think Ballard should get extra credit for the fact that he's kept this team competitive through the luck deal, at least not more so than any other GM who inherited a crappy quarterback situation because Ballard inheriting even just a year of luck, uh, is better than the situation that John Robinson inherited. So I, I think it's silly that he is always getting the benefit of the doubt because of that, as if, you know, a retirement is somehow more damaging than a guy that's just not good. He's um, living off the reputation of Darius Leonard way too much. And because and, yeah, Nelson and fell into his lap, right? I right, mean, like, yeah. I mean, sure. Seven other GMs or whenever he was drafted could have taken Quentin Nelson and they didn't. I mean, that's that's still lucky. It's, no, it's still a no-brainer for Chris Ballard to take Quentin Nelson, right? I mean, you're talking about an offensive line that has has, has always been a little shaky around the quarterback, and here you got the best guard prospect in decades fall into your lap. Like, that's not a hard decision to make. And then on top of that, you, so he gets Darius Leonard. It's like, the Darius Leonard thing has carried him since through the, this whole time as a GM. Like those two picks have carried him through this whole time as GM. I don't think he's that good. I just don't. I think he's an average at best. I think John Robinson's better than Chris Ballard. I've said it before when we did the Colts you trash episode. I said I do not think Chris Ballard's that good, and I still don't because he willfully traded for Carson fucking Wentz. <laughs> like. <laughs> I'm sorry. That is not a good trade. And and listen, if if he turns around and trades like a third round pick for Marcus Mariota, which is what Vic Tafer, the uh, Raiders athletic uh, reporter, has said he thinks would re- the Raiders would require for Mariota. If you end up trading, uh, what was it, a third or two thirds in a second for Mariota and Wentz, then I we're gonna have to have a long talk about Ballard. Uh, and whether or not he's just got like a, a death wish or something at the quarterback position. Cause yeah, it, that would be uh, just an insane use of resources. Let's, we got to talk about the giants and I got to start with Kelvin Benjamin who we didn't get to last week. And I'm actually kind of glad we didn't because the, the intro of Kelvin Benjamin into yesterday's disaster. It, it, 
Giants training camp just makes this perfect. So if you aren't aware, Kelvin Benjamin, who obviously a lot of jokes out there about Popeyes and buffets and all that, we're not going to get into that with Kelvin, except to say he showed up to training camp at 268 pounds and the Giants wanted him to be at 250. So Joe Judge confronted him on the field, which Kelvin Benjamin apparently didn't like the fact that he confronted him on the, on the practice field instead of behind closed doors. Joe Judge was basically like, look, man, we're going to fine you for showing up overweight. Kelvin Benjamin then apparently got heated and told him it was muscle and not fat. And it started to kind of spiral out of control to which Dave Gettleman came over, reiterated they were going to fine him. And Benjamin basically said, the hell with this. I'm, I'm leaving. So they cut him. And then he gave this amazing interview, which I'm not going to get into the whole thing here, but I basically want to end with that. Kelvin Benjamin has to drop this. I have perspective on Joe Judge, Benjamin said. He's not a coach that can ever win a Super Bowl because he just sits there and cusses all day. You can tell he's one-sided about everything. He's a know-it-all. That's not how it's supposed to work. We can all learn from each other. We're humans at the end of the day. Our true colors come out. And then he ended the interview by saying, dude, I'm moving back to Florida like I'm done with football. So pretty amazing retirement speech. Joe Judge is a cursor, which we know and we'll get to in just a second. But uh, Sandwich Benjamin is out, and and, and really no surprise. So now let's ask. Oh, go go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I was going to say that's not the only guy that he's made retire on the spot either. (laughs) So let's fast forward to Giants training camp from Tuesday, August the 3rd. The Giants apparently got in such a large brawl that Daniel Jones ended up at the bottom of the pile And Joe Judge was screaming and yelling and trying to get players to play. The whole team got in a huge fight. And then Joe Judge was making them run 100-yard sprints afterwards. And apparently all you could hear was them running the whistle and the Joe Judge just cussing and screaming during this 100-yard sprint and push-up punishment. What in the fuck is going on with the Giants and how could I get a live feed for more? And, and let me say this too, Todd Davis, the, the other guy that the judge ran off inside linebacker, apparently he judged told him to run numerous laps the other day until he, he just let him, he just let him keep running until Davis broke down and quit. And then judge said, uh, he wasn't hard nosed enough to fit our culture. So it's like, and this is, this guy's a veteran who was considered like a leader on the Broncos uh, who they brought in to fix a a bad inside linebacker situation. I know they've got, you know, Blake Martinez, but the other spot is just like, uh, you know, they don't know who they're going to play right there. And he's running off the uh, veteran because he's making them run laps. Like, look, look, I get like running laps is like a thing in, in high school football, maybe even college football, all that. I think it's stupid as shit to make NFL football players run laps because look, here's what Mike Vrabel does. Mike Vrabel is obsessed with, he gets like two hours a day on the field with these guys. That's it. And that's, you know, negotiating the CBA. It's not up to him. If he wants more, he has to keep it all within two hours. He wants to make those two hours as productive as possible. Like he is not wanting to waste a rep. He does not want fights because he knows that waste time. He will throw he, it is a known deal at Titans camp that if you get in a fight and it you know causes it to become like a big deal, like I mean, if you get in a little dust up after play, not a big deal. If you get in a fight and it's a brawl and it has to be broken up, 
whoever started the fight is going inside for the day. Like they're done. And that is a known deal at Titans camp. And they don't have a lot of fights because of that, because people don't want to lose reps and people don't want, you know, to, to draw the ire of Mike Vrabel, which they know it will. Judge has invited this culture onto himself, and now he's upset that, you know, a big brawl breaks out. You punched your offensive line coach last year. Like, get out of here. Like, what are we talking about? This this guy is like the most meathead of all meathead coaches, and he's not a smart meathead about it. Like, I know Vrabel gets some shit for being a meathead, and he is. Like, in Vrabel, the cussing thing, Vrabel is a, a sailor on the practice field. Like it is uh, just, you know, <laughs> a, a stream of four letter words coming out of that Make a mechanic for, for two hours. Oh yeah. It is, it is glory. And it is like next level cussing too. He's, he's in pros pro at it, but he is not fostering this environment of like, you know, just, blind aggression that that judge seems to with the giants it is just it's insane to me like that the way he's handled this team it makes me feel like pretty much anything could happen at any time up there now and the the giants have kind of entered the tyson zone as as bill simmons like to put it where you would literally believe any report you read about something that happened at giants camp like uh, yeah, one of the trainers shivved one of the linebackers today at camp at Giants camp. Sure, I'll believe that. I don't know. Yeah, um, I mean, it is we're at that point now with the Giants, and I think it's all Joe, Joe Judge's fault. I, I think it's this is what he wants it to be. It's 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 a wild scene, and and Mike hit it on the head. This is all because of Joe Judge. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it. I am not surprised that this is a a train wreck of a team. Um, I'm also not surprised by what I saw yesterday, which is a clip from the Giants praising from the New York Giants Twitter account, praising the Daniel Jones to uh, David Sills connection. David Sills is a West Virginia wide receiver. That is an undrafted free agent. And he went up and grabbed covered by two guys, a touchdown. And who are those two guys? A Dory Jackson and Logan Ryan. Let me tell you something. And people praise Logan Ryan, I guess, you know, that for his mental toughness and then, you know, his uh, in the fight yesterday, because apparently he was involved in that fight too. And they praised his toughness. And, you know, I see Titans fans saying, that's the Logan Ryan that we all know. He gets into fights and then he calms everybody down. Did Logan Ryan ever get into a fight with these Tennessee Titans? Like, calm down on your Logan Ryan praise. I know that he checks Twitter a lot, but he really doesn't need your praise. And give me a break. Logan Ryan and Adore Jackson are a horrible combination, and they got smoked by David Mills or David Seals. And let me say something. That is something you technically don't want to see. Now, if it's one-on-ones, it'd be different, but this was a team drill with two of your high-prized uh, free agency signings that are costing you $13 million together for just one year. And they're getting smoked by some undrafted free agent. And not to mention that Daniel Jones was the quarterback and he sucks. I, I can't believe I'm about to say this, but Kelvin Benjamin is right. I mean, he's dead <laughs> on about like, okay, look, Kelvin Benjamin is notorious for showing up to camp overweight. That's not a joke line. I'm going to go down sandwich, but I, 
he's dead on about <laughs> Joe Judge just wants to cuss at people all day. He's never going to take him to a Super Bowl. And you all have nailed it. This is his culture. This is what's developed under him. I don't think this guy lasts two years. Uh, I mean, I, I could see this guy getting fired in the middle of the 2022 season. I just don't see how in the world Giants leadership would put up with this because you're dead on, Mike, about that kind of mess works in high school and to college to some extent about, I mean, okay, you're young men and we'll whip your ass in shape. We're going to run laps. But, dude, in the NFL, warranted or not, you only have a limited amount of time on the field. But, but again, to the warranted part, these guys feel like they've now gotten paid and they've outgrown that crap. You're not going to be able to just run them up and down the field like they're an insolent high school player. Yeah, you're, you're dealing with like adult men and a lot of adult men that are making more money than you. Um, and, and some of these guys, you know, I, I don't know if the Giants necessarily qualify because I don't feel like they've, I mean, may, maybe Saquon. Saquon, if it came down to it, if he said it's either me or Joe Judge, would the would the Giants say, who would they say bye to? Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, so it, it's not a... And that's never the case with a college player, right? That it's always the coach. The coach is the program. Um, so I, I feel like that's kind of a uh, it's a different dynamic, and it's a, that's the reason that a lot of college coaches struggle when they come to the NFL is that it's a different dynamic. And, and you know, if if you want to treat these guys like kids, you're going to get a rude awakening that these are not kids, and they do not appreciate being treated that way. Um, and you know, just dog cussing them and, and telling them their shit and telling them to run laps. Yeah. That's not going to go over real well um, with a oh. professional. So it is uh, a totally different deal. And I, you know, Joe judge is a pro coach. He's been in the pros for forever. So I'm not sure where he's getting this. Uh, you know, I'm going to run this like a high school camp uh, mentality. Cause I, I don't think Belichick is doing this kind of stuff. Right. I mean, if this guy's trying to be Belichick, he's doing a piss poor job of it. Um, so it, this is just, it's bizarre. It's bizarre behavior. Um, and it seems to just be backfiring on him comically already. So it, it, the giants will be one of the teams. that's kind of fascinating to watch. Cause yeah, I think we've also heard that Daniel Jones has sucked at practice. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm not looking for the giants to do a whole lot this year. So this, these are the moments that I love Reddit for the, the NFL subreddit. And then even the subreddits under that for the teams, are just glorious when things like this happen. Um, on on uh, Parks and Recreation, Fred Armson plays this Venezuelan sister city like diplomat who comes up and he has this notorious speech he gives where he talks about that they send people to jail for everything. You overcook fish, jail. You undercook chicken, we send you to jail. Someone took his character and said, you miss your block assignment, laps. You run off sides, laps. You don't take vaccine, two laps. And so it's <laughs> like they're just describing that that's, Joe Judge's entire coaching mentality is that there's not any player development. He just lives to make your ass run laps if you screw up. <laughs> it's wild. I mean, it's just, yeah. I feel like there was someone recently that took this mentality um, with their players. Was it the line? Oh, it was Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia did this oh, yeah. too, and he's from yep. New England. But Matt Patricia did this, but you don't hear Brian Flores doing that. So no. it's like, I don't know what's going on with Matt Patricia and Joe Judge that they decided that they're going to treat this like a, a high school program when they get a head coaching job. But 
it's very odd that those two did that, but you never really heard of that from other people that came from the Bill Belichick coaching tree that went on to be a head coach. It just, it's wild. And it's one of those things that just reminds you how hard it is to succeed as a head coach in the league, because the NFL is a completely different animal from every other level of pro or, or of football. And that, that hard nose, I'm just going to come in and be a drill instructor. It doesn't work. Fair or foul, it doesn't work. You're dealing with a lot of personalities who are being paid a lot of money and are at the top of their game. They don't want to be treated like some dog that's chewed up the furniture. It just doesn't work. So I end with this. Kelvin Benjamin, damn it, you were right. And you enjoy yourself in Florida. I hope you have all the seafood towers you want. I really do. I'm looking forward to uh, Kelvin Benjamin trying out for offensive line positions next next year at camp. Is he he already went to tight end? Now now the next next natural step is offensive line. Get get your get your job, baby. Well, gentlemen, we have covered a lot of ground today. I mean, a hell of a lot of ground, and I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Mike, I do want to ask you this: kind of what of our I feel like I ask you this every podcast. What are our remaining dates? What are we looking at? When's the end of training camp and uh, when do we first see the Titans on the field for preseason, delicious preseason action? It, yeah, so training camp, I think they're really running it right up until they leave to go um, to Tampa, which will be the week of August, week before the August 21st game. So I guess the, their camp technically ends like right around the the 13th or 14th, um, which is the right after the Falcons game. I think they come back for a couple of days of, of practice before they go down to, to Tampa. So, um, but yeah, the next, next date really is August 13th, the first preseason game, which is, you know, a week and a half away uh, with the Falcons uh, in Atlanta. And, and we'll see, I would imagine we're not going to see Julio Jones for that. Even if he does come back to practice before then, you know, there's just no sense in suiting him up, up, even if it's kind of a, a reunion for him, um, you know, quickly being back down in Atlanta immediately after being traded. Um, but it'll be interesting to see Arthur Smith and all that stuff. And, and I'm sure we'll, uh, uh, you know, get to get to see some a lot of backup quarterback play between Woodside and Kaiser and all that fun stuff and get to break all that down. But yeah, so uh, yeah, preseason uh, preseason prep really starts uh, towards the end of this week as far as getting ready for that first game and and uh, moving into that. But yeah, it, we're uh, quickly moving into uh, preseason football, which is exciting. I, I'm thrilled to get to watch the Hall of Fame game tomorrow. Honestly, that's uh, uh, I know we will see the least you know interesting players uh, possible but it'll still be great to see just football players on a football field again. I always get excited for it and then quickly bored. Me too. I get about right when it starts. I'm like, hell yeah, football, seven minutes in. I'm like, I'm going to text. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm just going to start hearing it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I'll have it on in the background. That's going to do it for all of us. We appreciate you tuning in. As always, we are football and other F-words. You can find us all at broadwaysportsmedia.com. More importantly, you can find Mike's coverage of training camp from him being there personally and plus his breakdowns go check him out all of us broadwaysportsmedia.com again special thank you to our friends at hey good farms heygoodfarms.com go check out their cbd and delta 8 lineup for zach lyons there's his introduction right there at the end oh i hey i'm here michael Arden and myself <laughs> michael Gillum. you've just been effed you're effed you've been sam effed 
a Broadway sports media production.